Jiminy Cricket, it's another episode of Genital Jammies with me, Marvin Schneider. And obviously laughing, Jen Ward. And Dash, and welcome listeners. Hi, everybody. Was that amusing? No. No, I hear that from you every day. Oh, dear. So we've got another session of Jen and the Jammies. Um, We've had a couple of fairly intense topic areas recently. Yeah. Yeah, I want to thank you for for doing the anniversary um, one with me. It felt like it was really helpful. And um, I think it's important if people realize that they can like um, anything that you want to protect about yourself, those are the things to like let out because you're holding a pocket of stagnant energy in whatever you're trying to hide about yourself. So you might as well just let it out. Does that make sense? It does. Um, it can be uncomfortable at the time, but I think most people do get a sense of uh, relief, liberating. It, it's a liberating experience getting it off your chest, so to speak. You know, the analogy I, they've given me, the adepts, is like, have you ever tried to, have you ever been in the water and you tried to hold an inner tube underwater? Uh, I, yes. And, and it's a lot of work to just hold the inner tube. Up. So that's the same thing with holding our issues underneath the surface so nobody sees them. Yeah. And it takes all of effort and it takes, it's so freeing to just let it come to the surface and like, yep. and just let it just pop to the surface and be breathe and let, let go of it. That's a great visualization, actually, the amount of energy that a lot of people expend in trying to hold under the surface something that should actually just be let go. You probably see that more even in the business world, don't you? Oh, yes. I mean, um, particularly, you know, senior people, they've got very guarded personality personalities and they're you know, Let's put it this way. They put a lot of effort into managing their exterior persona. I think if, if some of those people could do a session with me, I think it would be freaking amazing for them. But I'm not sure if they can get over themselves enough to lower themselves. <laughs> well, we can talk about that a little bit because um, we want to talk about Darshin and some of his uh, wardrobing things as well. So we are going to do a little bit of banter before we get into the main topic. But... <laughs> Let's just deal with this bit, if that's okay. So it, it ruins the spontaneity if you say we're going to do banter now. Banter <laughs> is like free flowing and stuff. It's like <laughs> well, it, well, it is free flowing. So we're you're talking about um, a lot of business executives that find it difficult to get over themselves, and we've had a couple of experiences. And um, I think you're right, though, that if they can get to the point of release, it would be enormously liberating for them. The thing is that they need to get to that point. And so uh, I've, we've introduced a number of senior executives to you recently. And um, 
it is challenging for them to accept that you have something to offer and um, quite often their first reaction is, well, you know, what are your qualifications like? You know, which university did you go through, <laughs> go to? And I yeah. go, well, you know, Jane went through the University of Life. So, you know, that's the toughest university there is. Um, so, yes, listeners, if you're a business executive and you know some, um, there is a lot that Jen can offer in your domain. We've you said know, that a, a couple of times. Sorry, here's a good technique. If if a business executive, if someone in a, a board meeting can go around and do this technique, then they'll know they can handle a, a session with me. Session. <coughs> go around the board and ask that person and be honest, have them be honest. And it can't be you're in a position of power, so they're like damned if they do and damned if they don't. So ask ask the everyone in the group and be ready to receive it what is the one thing about me that is off-putting the most off-putting thing about me to you yep. and then you have everyone go around the room and tell you that thing and then if you could do that in a board meeting with every one of them doing that yeah without attacking each other but just heart to heart yep. like do it with compassion yeah, I've actually done that and it's not easy to do, but I listened and I took it and it was really helpful to me. Yep. One day we might describe some of the retreats that you've done and some of the mm -hmm. ideas that we have for retreats that are targeted to the corporate community and how it can benefit mm -hmm. business executives, so board members, senior executives. They're generally the people that I deal with, so... Um, they, they're kind of my, you know, audience uh, that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis. The retreats are magical. I didn't know I had that ability to just command an audience like that. Yep. Uh, is it okay if I say or, or am I off? Well, uh, I'd like to get on topic if we can. <laughs> we might hold that one over to another session. Uh, <laughs> okay, but I don't, don't send Marvin any hate messages because he's keeping us on track. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, you know, I, I do my best. You, you do great. If people realize how much time you put into this and, and you do it, you started out doing it begrudgingly. So, Well, it's a labor of love. By the way, we got the nod. You know we got the nod from the adepts to do this, right? The, nah, they poked you with a prodding knife, prodding <laughs> fork. To, you, you got it in the dream state. They were like kicking your butt all the way. Absolutely. And um, that is a little bit on topic. But before we get on to the topic, do you want to just talk a little bit about Darshin's outfitting and um, well, what's going he's, on? He's got this, this is his new shirt, shirt, but it doesn't quite fit him. He, he really does need his own tailor because look at the belly. Yeah. The belly hangs over and it's a hoodie, but if, if he puts a hood up, he looks like a real door because it makes him look like scrunched and goofy. He looks like a jughead. That's one thing. And then I thought I bought him this nice pinned pinned suit. I knew it was out of date, but I thought it would be okay. I get this outfit, and look what it is. It's like something that they did. It's the same design as something they put on him in Oustwich. It's... It, it, and I, I, I tap into the... Akashic records of a lot of people in the concentration camps, and this is freaking me out. Let alone Darshan, I would never put this on my poor bear. But this is an Auschwitz 
uniform for the bear. Well, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but this is not a formed suit, so he won't be wearing this anytime soon. No. You didn't think it was that bad, did you? Do you think I'm just being... Um, look, I, I, recognize, I, I, I recognize what you're talking about and pinstripe suits, generally the pinstripes aren't that far apart, so they're much sort of narrower. So if they were narrower, it would have been sort of closer to a traditional pinstripe suit, but... And, and even the material is like really like cheap, kind of like, like yeah. putting on a... It must be tough to tailor for a bear. Particularly off the road. If she had the yeah. right, you know, you know, measurements and stuff, the back, the broad, the inseam. Yep. Good. The topic of today's episode is tapping into direct knowingness. And in a lot of ways, if I can say this as an intro, the holy grail to for a lot of spiritual people is to be able to tap into direct knowingness or almost on demand and various people and various groups use or you know offer various techniques to do that including you know meditation and chanting and whatever but it seems to be generally the idea is to get you into that state of release where you can tap into direct knowingness so you have some thoughts about the usefulness of traditional techniques and then we can sort of ease into the topic uh, on so yeah what do you well, think I, I thought i coined the term direct knowingness i didn't know it was out there you've heard it from other people besides me uh look i'm not sure but um i'm not sure where where i heard the term but i understand the premise of the term so it's a good term so like the abraham hicks people would call it um Connect into your own vortex or yeah. tapping into your higher power or whatever. Yeah, higher self <laughs> or whatever, source. Well, the, the, here's the tricky part. The higher self, this is what gets people all tripped up, is what if it's still, you have to get past the mental realms to get there. Because yep. in the mental realms, you're still being um, influenced by the ego. And so if it's still in the realms of the mental realm and still in the realms of the ego, you're yep. not shooting far enough. And it yep. can sabotage you. Yes. Okay. So what do you think about techniques like um, meditation and chanting as a pathway to bypassing the ego and tapping into higher knowingness. What is your experience with it? Well, I've never been really good with any of the traditional stuff. I don't have this, don't don't be shocked, don't be shocked, but I don't have the self-discipline needed to do those things for hours. <laughs> I don't want to break no um, of your high opinion of me or stuff, but I can't, I can't do those things. And the reason I, I think I can't is because I don't think they're as important as people think they are. I think it's a deception. So here's the thing. This is a new truth that I've come to recently. Is Did you know that the soul, the energy of the person, is not supposed to be locked in the physical body? It, I didn't it, know that. It, it hovers above. and and Right. And so what... You can tell when you're, you're hovering is because 
you can look out, you can look at the ceiling and the ceiling kind of seems closer than where your eyeball should be. Like if you look it up, the ceiling is like, my ceiling is like, what, eight feet up above me right here. But if I look up like this, I feel like I'm really close to the ceiling. I'm not really in my body a lot of times because my energy doing it, my, the energy work doing it, my energy field is actually too big to stuff all in the body and stuff, but it's not supposed to be. So here's the thing for all the people who feel bad because they can't get out of the body yeah. and they try and they try and they can't get out of the body. They're actually already out of the body. And the people who are really disciplined and can pop out of the body are the ones that have locked themselves in the body so they feel that contrast of getting out. But those of us who say, I can't get out of the body, I can't try, I can't try, they're already out. They're already like, their atoms are relaxed enough to like be in the astral realms and the physical realms at once. And maybe even in the causal realms and mental realms all at once. So, so this soul shaming that we do to ourselves, the self berating because we can't do something that we're already yeah, doing. Yeah. It's, it's just part of, you know, beating, beating someone down, beating oneself down um, spiritually. It's not necessary. Right. I, uh, I agree with that. And I've tried meditation. I've dabbled in chanting. Uh, I've dabbled in you know, various techniques, and they never particularly worked for me. And I think part of it is, well, maybe I don't have the same, you know, the self-discipline um, to, you know, meditate for, you know, a minimum of 20 minutes, you know, possibly an hour. But then the other disconcerting thing or off-putting thing is that when you sort of listen to people that are sort of taking you through a meditation experience and describing their meditation experiences and, you know, they're describing, you know, uh, all sorts of really metaphysical, you know, amazing metaphysical experiences. And I'm sitting here going, I've never experienced that. Yeah. And I don't consider myself to have a particularly um, chattering mind. So, you know, generally I think of my mind as being reasonably still, reasonably well-centered, you know, in the main. But, I, but still, I can't sort of, it doesn't do anything for me to sort of sit there and, you know, meditate and, you know, for a minimum of 20 minutes or an hour or whatever. And... But here's the thing. For some reason, I have the ability to know where other people are in energy, where mm -hmm. they are. And your energy is, <laughs> your energy is expansive. You're in the higher realms at the same time as we're sitting here. I see where you are. I can see you on the astral, causal, mental, etheric. I can see you up into the like the 14th plane. I can see you. I can mm -hmm. see the blueprints. I can see what you're doing in energy. I can see you most of the time when I see you in energy. Hmm, I see you in the higher realms, um, seventh to ninth planes. <laughs> Just like you get, you know how you get in task mode and you're really intense? Who, me? That, <laughs> no, well, not Darshan. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you, mister. Yeah, so I see you on the 7th to 11th plane going over these blueprints 
and figuring out every little detail because you're so detail oriented and you ah oh, it's like i've never met someone who was able to like oh organize me you're able to organize me do you know how hard that is do you know how many bodies are strewn along the way trying to help me be organized their soul still crying from the experience of trying to do that they're still licking their wounds and you come <laughs> along and it's like you have this command over it and i see what you're doing in energy and um the the blueprints that you're working over on the seventh to ninth plane are the ones that are manifesting in the physical plane as far as shifting business into compassion kindness truth sincerity and how to bring businesses and all these um what do you call them um the ceos or the heads of these well businesses. um so you know boards and executives boards. i how to shift these boards and executives to kindness compassion love because it's happening and, well and, and we're doing it absolutely look there is a transition towards this um can i just say that the vast majority of large corporates need a lot of assistance right so you know yeah. there's a there's a lot of work to be done um and you know at one level yes it's all about what you just described at a simpler level it's about you know business just sort of you know acting in common decency and um but you know there's a lot of work to be done on that uh topic can i just say something really interesting about um decadent wealth you know like like people who have really decadent wealth and mm -hmm. and th that the spiritual mentality i know from the group i was in was mm -hmm. that you have no right to interfere with that decadent wealth because because you're pulling because unless you're making the money yourself then you have no right to to yeah. complain about if if you don't like people making that much money then go ahead you make that much money right yeah and so that was the mentality and that mentality of that spiritual group and all these spiritual people led to partially to the imbalance of wealth that's happening now and the yep. reason that the the reason that that is limited is because this spiritual group that's supposed to be so aware was only taken in the worth of people in a monetary number yep monetary wealth is one little piece fraction of yep. what people are worth they're not considering the their kindness their help their their ingenuity all their forms of wealth that individuals who don't have the monetary wealth i bring yep. into the table and those should yep. be valued as well does that make definitely. sense definitely yeah absolutely um and just so people know um the work that i do is uh, we don't you know, bemoan wealth, we want people, we want companies to create wealth, but create them in ways that enhance the you know, well being of the individual wider community and the environment. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's an absolutely doable proposition. It's a no brainer. It's like, you know, get on board, or, you know, or get off the potty, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, sorry. yeah, no, this is no. your this is i'm just like really excited this because i wasn't we weren't planning on talking about this you know we never know what's going to come out of my mouth right <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> i'm as surprised as you are 
But this is when we do this and we focus on a topic and now people who hear this, who are intention, can help with that intention of shifting businesses to kindness. The other thing that the adepts tell me about decadent wealth, right? Mm-hmm. It's like there's this whole thing about um, taxing the rich. I, I, I don't want to make a political statement about taxing, but, mm-hmm. but at some point when you have so much wealth that you don't know what to do with mm-hmm. it, Yep. And um, and so the, the thing is you should leave them alone to have all the wealth they want. But there is a caveat when those individuals are using their wealth and their boredom and their lack of um, connecting to yep. use that wealth to try to control and move the masses towards power instead of love. Yep. And it's almost like the 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 control and factions right the the individual's rights to come in and put a stop to that by taking some of that wealth back and saying no you're abusing humanity with this that's too much energy for you take it back you have enough to have anything you want except control of other individuals how about that that's that's good Getting back to the topic, tapping into direct knowingness. So um, we've spoken a little bit about how um, traditional methods and techniques um, may not be, you know, look, a prescriptive pathway towards tapping into direct knowingness. Can we, can we talk about in those terms? For some people, meditation and chanting might work, but to suggest that, you know, it is a prescription and a, and a you know a necessary pathway into tapping into direct knowingness. I don't particularly buy that as an idea. Do you? I don't think you do. No, I think okay. I think those are what. So the problem is is when you take one little tool and you try yep. to use that tool, it's like it's like someone who doesn't know how to hammer being forced to use a hammer when they would do better with their job is to use a saw or whatever yep. they need to. You got to know what your tool is. So you need a whole bunch of different techniques to draw from. Okay. Yeah. And so here's an idea, if I can um, share an idea, Mm -hmm. maybe part, and and I'm going to explain to you uh, and the listeners um, how I do it and how my business colleague does it because we're a bit of a, dynamic duo, um, we work very effectively together. So I'm going to share my experience. But do you, how do you, how do you do it? Get in the moment? Or are um, you always in the moment? I mean, well, is that... I've practiced always being in the moment. The, yep. the key to the key to always being in the moment is to not react to things like, Oh, when I wake up, I don't like get right up out of bed. And so and move and like feel like I got to get into a thing. So, so one of the techniques is don't do anything until you're compelled to do something. So when I wake up, I don't get out of bed until I'm tired of laying there. And in that just laying there, there's things happening and there's, there's, um, I'm processing things and I don't have to always know what's going on. Thank God. But 
but it feels much nicer than like jumping up and saying, oh, I have to get coffee and I have to do this right away and and, and forcing yourself. Yep. I call it being nailed in time and space. So when, yep. you, when you're like thinking about, oh, it's, it's one and I have to do this, everything that you do is to in sync into the, the um, routine of other people may be like limiting you from direct knownness because, excuse yep. me, everything the universe is always talking to you yeah so maybe more generally what you're doing is uh describing a process where people are relaxed in their atoms and they mm. they just sort of release and let go of the need to sort of micromanage the universe and you know um possibly I, just being a little bit more in the flow can i give a couple more techniques please you know how like when you're having a dream, you like pick out the dream symbols and what that means? Mm -hmm. Well, when you're awake out here, this is a dream symbol as well. And so whenever something happens that's out of the blue or out of the ordinary, treat it like you're in a dream and think, what's that mean? And like, what's the universe telling you with that? And in that way, you're shifting from, from just being in, on autopilot here because it's just the physical to paying attention like i showed you look at look at I, I was outside and i keep passing this little thing on my driveway and i thought it was like a, a part to a a little battery component a little electrical device and then i picked it up and i had to finally look at it and look what it is so just if people can't read it it's just got just love just love just love just love just love you know all the way but, down uh, so it means something to me and it's on there 14 times and the 14th time the the um the 14th is one of those um special cycles but if yeah. anybody's listened to the podcast i just had my 13th anniversary of being back from being starved and tortured for a year and so i've been back 13 years so i'm going on my 14th year you're in your and 14th so, cycle now yeah, yeah and look at the one at the bottom is like completing that and something yep. really special and and that so wow. it means something to me and i'm always amazed when i observe synchronicity synchronicity is is you know when things happen you know in a way that you couldn't have even engineered or contemplated so yeah. you know meeting someone having an amazing experience and you know everything happens at the right time in the right moment and it's like you know wow i couldn't have even you know I couldn't have scripted that. That's synchronicity. And there is some magic to synchronicity. I've um, had a couple of amazing versions of it. Can you have, do you have an example of it? Um, there's not one that I can pull up at the moment. But um, just, I mean, if the listeners just kind of know that they, uh, they do exist. And the other thing is um, keep an eye out for them. And just observe them, like you said. So a, a ways to do that as well is to shift what's important as far as vantage point. Um, the play of vantage point is really important. In my book, um, How to Awaken Your Inner Dragon, yep. it's, it's all these different techniques, not meditations, but visualizations for you yep. to go from just being a mundane day to like yep. change your vantage point, like to, to see it like a technique would be like if someone's being a real jerk see them as a five-year-old and then you yep. can't really be mad at them because you can see all the what what they went through as a five-year-old 
or yeah. um, once once I was doing a nanny position for two newborns, right? So the two newborns are playing on the floor and they're like, they're kind of like really slow and they're trying to use their hands and they're attacking each other, kind of like they're pulling each other's hair really slow and pulling at each other's face. And it was so funny going for the same toy. And then I saw them as, I saw like two business part, CEOs, two heads of different business, seeing them as two babies on the floor like that from that vantage point. And it's like just as comical. It's almost yeah. like if you can change it from from being threatened by these people because they have authority or something yeah. and see them as just babies fighting on the floor, it actually gives you leverage to change your own vantage point. That's great. The As you were mentioning that, uh, one thing that came to mind is any technique that requires you to actively work on it in the mental realm, right? So if you have to work on meditating, if you have to work hard at meditating, or if you have to work hard at chanting, I suspect that the process of working hard at it keeps you in the mental realm, which is the complete opposite of, you know, being in the moment, tapping into direct knowingness. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, even like with visualization, because visualization yeah. can tap you out to direct knowingness, yep. you're still using the ego, but the difference is, see, there's a part of the meditation where they're asking you to surrender to the ego, like, yep. you, like you're, you're activating the, the mind activating that, but like them being passive. Yep. And the, the difference with visualization is you're not yep. giving up um, sovereignty to the ego, you're, you're holding, you're holding that state of imagination. And the imagination, there's there's a oomph to the imagination that can expound you beyond the um, ego. Yeah. So, um, look, in my experience, if you have to work at it using a technique, it's probably not going to work for you. That's just my experience. Can I share with the listeners um, some of the ways uh, that I tap into direct knowingness and uh, my colleague... So I'll just call him the colleague because, you know, he's a private person as well. Um, so we're a bit of a dynamic duo. We are basically working together to help sort of transform and uplift humanity through transformation of the business community. And so um, basically the, the, the answer to wealth creation in ways that enhance the well-being of the individual wider than community and the environment. Wait, can, is, can you say that a little bit slower because that's really important. Yeah, so we've said it a couple of times, but I know. what I'm working on is transforming businesses so that they create wealth in ways that enhance the well-being of the individual, the wider community, and the environment. In other words, there is they're enhancing societal well-being. Good. That's awesome. Is that okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. Good. And when a large majority of businesses do that, and they need a lot of help, so there's a lot of work in it, but when they do that there will be, you know, significant benefits to all of humanity, right? So so it's important that businesses do it. So if you're a board member and a CEO, get on board. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, but if I can continue. So um, the absolute critical element in doing that is innovation and creativity. And creativity by definition is a creative process and basically what it means is you need to redefine the way businesses operate and the way 
you know, your products and services work and whatever. So basically you need to do something different. And so what most businesses are stuck in is their current, their existing routine. And what we need to do is to shock them into a new, um, you know, alternative future reality. And so we need to create an alternative reality. And so, you know, what, what myself and my colleague are doing is helping these, you know, board members and executives um, tap into their direct knowingness so that they can be in the moment and, you know, um, drive their organizations in a more positive direction because it does need significant transformation and change. By definition, it's different. So what we have learned is that um, uh, to create something, generally the idea comes before you prove that it's going to work. So any any attempt to solve a problem through current ways of thinking is unlikely to work. And so you need to basically shift your vantage point, um, you know, significantly. And Einstein sort of said this, you know, you can't create something, you can't create a solution, you know, through the same thinking process that led to the problem, right? So it's a business at the moment is a problem. Uh, and we need to change it, we need to shift it. So we need to help people you know, tap into direct knowingness. So what we have learned is that these ideas, these ground paradigm shifting ideas tend to come into the mind fully formed when it's ready. So the answer comes in fully formed. And, and those of you know, the listeners that um, you know, um, you know, watch other channels and you know, various other things generally, um, you know, there is almost a direct connection to, um, let's call it direct knowingness and whatever, but the ideas come into the mind fully formed uh, at the point of release. And, and so here's the important thing. So a lot of people get these groundbreaking, you know, eureka moments, um, sometimes when they're having a shower, sometimes when they're shaving, sometimes when they're walking. I happen to get it in my dream state. My colleague gets it when he's sort of walking amongst the trees. But it's at the, in our experience, these groundbreaking ideas come fully formed into the mind at the point where the mind is at a point of stillness. Does that make sense? It does, except for a couple things. I'm going to call mm -hmm. you on something because you're way mm -hmm. too humble. You think that everybody can do it as easy as you do. That's not so. You and, and Dennis, that's your secret mm. sauce, is you can tap into... You guys basically do for businesses what I can do for the individual. And there's other people doing energy work, sure. But I don't know anyone who takes people out to where I do. And they may be out there, but I don't know of them. And the way that you guys are able to tap into that space yep. and do it, not on command because it's work for you, but you can, you can go there and you do that as a surrogate for that business and it's profound. So it's yep. not like everyone can do that, Marvin. So no. So. so, but but here's the thing, though, is that in one way or another, in order to transform sixteen and a half thousand, you know, significant companies around the world, we are going to have to be able to teach a reasonable number of people to do it. So that's but, part of our challenge. But you have to know how to do something before you can teach it. That's so right. So here's the thing. There's other, there's other people out there that saying they're going to transform business. And, and I can tap into like other people who say that they're going to do what you do. 
and I can see their intentions are not to transform businesses to assist humanity like you are. What they're doing is they're fooling themselves or the company or whatever and just yeah. trying mm -hmm. to make a better bottom dollar. They're not trying, yeah. they don't have the insincerity and integrity, depth and space that yeah. you guys have formulated in this higher consciousness to do it because they're, they're not capable. I see where they are. Right? Yeah, no, that's right. And there needs to be a purity of intention that sits behind it. Otherwise, it is not, um, it's not real. It's sort of smoke and mirrors. The, the one other thing that I was just going to say about this before we probably have to wind this episode down is that when myself and my colleague get into these moments of direct knowingness, it's, it, there's, there's a lot of prep work that goes into it. And so, um, these the, the answer comes into our minds fully formed at the point of release so you, so and for me it's in the dream state for my colleague it's when he's walking for other people it'll be when they're in the shower whatever it is some people might get that moment of release in meditation but the important thing that i was going to say is that it then but it but there's a whole bunch of prep work that happens beforehand so so the fuller explanation and i'm you know i'm just trying to explain how i do it right i'm not going to say it's like this for everyone. So for us, what happens is that we create an intense encounter with directly relevant information, an intense encounter with directly relevant information. That's hard work. So what that means is that we are working very intensely, not in, we're not multitasking, right? And sometimes when I'm in this intense encounter mode, um, and you're sort of bing banging me on you know, <laughs> private messenger, it's like, Sorry, Jen, can't talk. You know, I'm you know, I'm in the moment. But and I didn't so, know what you were doing then. You just explained it recently. Okay, good. That's fine. That's I'm, I'm just explaining it. So there is the, the there is an intense encounter with directly relevant information. And this is the the work, the effort part of it. And I don't know how long that takes. Um, Sometimes it takes a day, sometimes it takes two days, but once we've completed that intense encounter with directly relevant information, it's basically, you know, we're putting all of our energy and intention onto the, the situation, the problem, without trying to solve it necessarily. You know, we're just, we're, we're just working it. Then I go into a sleep state. My colleague, he goes walking in the trees, whatever. And, and then we get together and then the answer is fully formed. And, and it's almost formulated. <laughs> I can't explain to you how many times it's happened this way. So that's the way we do it. Um, but Einstein, Einstein explained his way where he goes in kind of like this trans dream state. And, and mm -hmm. like when he, you know, got MC, what is it? M e equals MC squared. Yeah. Yeah. When he went and got that, that was similar to how he yeah. got it. Is He goes in to the moment. It's almost like going into that moment and being yeah. the energy, yeah. being that thing. Yeah. So, but it yeah. takes a lot of discipline and a lot of training. Yeah. And my sense is with you and, and Dennis, you've mm -hmm. been training lifetimes upon lifetimes to do what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So possibly in closing then is um, there's a lot of, so there is a lot of, you know, work that leads up to it. But then the final eureka moment um, 
comes at the point of release. And so at the point where you actually relax your atoms and um, it's, it's a fascinating experience and it's very liberating. You're talking about a birth. It's like you, you, well, yes, of course, because yes, we, we and others are birthing ideas. Um, Um, you say others, but there, there are others. I mean, anyone, any artist, any, any, anyone that is a master in their domain does this, right? So clearly talking about, I'm just talking about the business sense of it. Um, no. So, um, you know, um, Steve Jobs and the Apple, right? You know, the creative types in business, they do this. And, and so the, the thing that myself, my colleague are doing is we, we need to be able to teach businesses how to do this. And, and so we've got programs, um, that do that. Um, so that's the, for those that are interested, that's part of the work that we're doing. We should probably wind this episode down thank you jen thank you darshin thank your audience please like comment subscribe what else share bye for now
Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, please. 